welcome to the second episode of the Big Milkshake podcast. My name is Bianca and we are joined by the rest of the team. We have Alex, Seb and Nathan. Hey guys, how are we doing? Very good. Hello there. How was everyone's week? I'm good, thank you. What's everyone been up to? Keeping busy. Playing Sea of Thieves with you. Yes. That was very good, actually. No, that was really fun. I hadn't played Sea of Thieves with you guys before until last night, and I heard you guys were really big fans of the game, and I didn't realise how how big of a fan you guys were. You guys were using all these terms when you were sailing, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I'm really out of my depth here. But we, got, we finished up with a lot of loot. Yeah, we did. It's like surprisingly, a, actually. I don't know how we like made it out alive by the end of it. Uh, that was but worth it, though. I'm very proud of fun. us. That was very good. I think everyone yeah. else should watch us play some a games. A coordinated maybe. team effort. I yeah, was just very enjoying good. that, the voting, for us to risk it all. Just keep going. Oh, yes. We did have the Twitch chat determine whether we were going to sell the current loot that we had or whether we were going to go and venture out for more. And uh, yeah, the the chat was very felt very risky. I think last night, but hey, we came out of it okay. So I, I'm pretty proud of us. I'm pretty proud. We made of the us. right call. Um, I think so. Mm. I think so. Well, uh, welcome to anyone who is tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the first episode. Uh, we had so much fun putting that together, and here we are for a second one. We have so much to talk about today, uh, in terms of Kingless, and more particularly the world of Kingless and the artwork. And uh, I guess there's no better way to start talking about Kingless than to just talk about some of our favorite cards. I think that's a good place to start. What do you guys think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. There yeah, are so many good cards to pick from, not just like character and item wise, but even artwork wise as well. Alex, let's start with you. Who or what is your favorite card from the game? Well, my favourite card is Neef Gold Dreamer. Um, you'll find it not only in the deck, but also on the box of Kingless itself. So Neef is a typical dwarf in that he has a deep, unwavering affection for gold. Unlike other dwarves, however, he has some unconventional ideas about how to get it. Alchemy, the combined dream of science and magic that turns common base metals into precious gold, has long been Neef's obsession. His most outstanding achievement was to successfully transmute gold into lead. This was much to the anger of the other dwarves because despite this breakthrough for alchemical science, he hasn't quite figured out how to turn it back. Given his devotion to his work and his damning record of transmutation, he's kept at arm's length from the tip jar of the hammer and crown at all times. Which ties back on into his role with the actual game there. He's a uh, He's a terrible alchemist insofar as he can't actually convert anything into gold, just the other way. <laughs> just the opposite way around. <laughs> Keep him away from those coins. Hence why he got us the tip jar, yep. Yeah, just trying the best is what I'm hearing <laughs> there. He's practicing. Yeah, pretty just much. give him a break. Yeah, a bit of research. <laughs> and they dig it out of the ground anyway. He's my favourite because he's got all these fantastic colours and lights on, you know, in the art of his card. Um, he's got such uh, an evocative outfit on him. You can tell that um, he's clearly up to something mystical and different, whereas a lot of the other dwarves are very um, very focused on, on manual, mundane tasks. You don't quite know what Neef is going to be up to. He's got all these fantastic um, you know, uh, little bottles full of chemicals, each emitting their own light and smoke. And there's clearly a lot going on there. And was this was Neef uh, 
inspired by anything in particular or was it just something like, I mean, again, I know we mentioned this in the first episode, but we've got such a big variety of characters to kind of pick from. Like, do you remember Neef coming together or does anyone else remember Neef coming together at all? I think that's the great thing about the the Hammer and Crown and, and the patrons of the Hammer and Crown. You know, everyone who turns up there, they're all a little bit different, a little bit quirky. And I think we knew from the very beginning we've got to have a wizard in here somewhere you know mm. there's there's got to be that character and um neve's got some really he's got some really really interesting background and some lore around him as well i was gonna say as well what's neve's use for, for anyone who's tuning in maybe hasn't played kingless before on this card what does neve's card do neve oh, wouldn't be on the spot i think he's the, the chip jar. Chip jar. yeah I'm nice. happy, happy I got that. Put him to the test. Yeah. You did, you, no, I yeah. put you on a spot there. This... <laughs> kind of helped design the game. Maybe should remove Oh, that. just a little bit. Just a little bit. Nathan, what about you? Ooh, I'm going to start with an honourable mention for Stumpy. Just, just love that card and, and the weird beaver. Oh, not just giant beaver. But, I, uh, I was going to say last time you said Stumpy was one of your favourites. Yeah, he's just been pipped today by uh, Theralone of the Just. I mean, just magnificent on that horse. Just, I'm pretty sure the horse was named Charger. Just both of them together. Just a really crisp, bright card set outside. Yeah, I think that's my favourite artwork piece anyway. Theralina actively works for the good of all in Overstone and isn't afraid of conflict when necessary. She's one of a handful of dwarves that are competent riders as most of her kin prefer to trudge alongside a beast than sit astride one. Part of her good work is hounding Ulf Pocket Delver and ensuring he doesn't cause too much trouble. Although this is as much for his benefit as the town. Now Ulf is another one of our cards, um, which you might not be surprised given his name, is a pickpocket and a bit of a thief. Theralina's card gutters Ulf, moving him from play. It's one of those cards that, well, one of the few cards actually that is set outside of the Hammer and Crown. So most most of them take place within. I mean, there's there's a handful that don't, but probably one of the brightest cards we have in the game as well it's kind of you know the the open airy um look and feel about it and i i quite like that you know a bit of change of pace something a little bit different we can see some more of the of the um kingless universe that it's within um or actually overstone to be more precise which is the town that, that kingless sits within yeah, I'd love to chat more about Overstone or what you guys could tell us about Overstone um, soon as well. And I guess, yeah, I think what's really cool about these cards, you just get a little sneak peek into, you know, what's out there beyond, you know, the Hammer and Crown and stuff as well, which is really, really cool. And I agree. It's one of the brightest cards out there. It's a nice little change of scenery, I think. Now, I actually forgot to ask you, Nathan, what is the use of Theralona's card? So we'll come back to you in a minute, but I knew I forgot to ask you something. So she gutters Ulf Pocket Delva, so a little bit of a sketchy pickpocket card. So she's obviously just keeping an eye out, and if she sees him in action, she'll put him outside into the gutter. So She looks quite intimidating. Like, oh. I, like I'd, be, I'd be a bit scared of her. Yeah. <laughs> just, just strong and majestic. Uh, what about you, Seb? Favorite favorite card? It has to be Clem Ponswell. I mean, I mentioned this on the first episode, but come on, it was the first card we ever created. You, you know, there's 
I had a lot of creative input into this card. Don't don't roll your eyes at me. It's look at it. Look at the detail. The if, it's oh, just such a clarify. fantastic card. If anyone missed the first episode, some of the characters in Kingless were loosely based off, inspired by some of you guys, and Clem is yours. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. but let's not okay, move sorry. away from the fact that this was still the first <laughs> card we've ever created. <laughs> I'm coming to clutch at everything I can here, but tell us like a little bit more about the card and if you could tell us what Clem does as well. I'll leave that up to Alex. Alex can talk a little bit about the the lore of some of these cards. Absolutely. Oh, so do. we can get started with um Clem Ponswell claims the golden tankard. Now as for the lore for him. Clem is known for his vanity and a love of the finer things in life. Any trader passing through has stopped and asks about the latest fashions and has their wares carefully examined before Clem haggles away any semblance of profit they once had. This silver-tongued skill at negotiation has him responsible for selling dwarven wares to travelling traders. His greed can lead him astray, however, and while he's not a thief and would never steal, he is often found admiring the Hammer and Crown's prize ornament, the Golden Tankard. Sometimes he's even going as far as to try and take it home with him to better admire it. Now, he sees this as perfectly reasonable, and after all, he'll return it when he's done. But Bron Lawbringer sees things differently, and is swift to make Clem uh, clear his head with a trip outside, while the tank could stay safely put. Mmm. Very greedy. (laughs) This is the sort of thing, you know, that we lean into with the card. So obviously the mechanic of Clem Ponsoir, as Alex said, is, is to claim the golden tankard. But there's a few of these characters that interplay with each other and sort of also play into the lore. So, you know, it's quite thematic around the the actual mechanic of the card. Yeah, I think it's really cool as well. I know, Alex, you mentioned Bronn Lawbringer. Bronn is another of our favourite cards. Because I was going to say, Bronn has an effect on Clem. Yes, yes. Um, yes. Bron moves um, Clem Ponswell to the gutter, um, removing him from play. Keeping an eye on him from taking the tankard, which is exactly what you said as well. I think, again, I think that's really fantastic that 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 bit of lore that you have fits directly with the effects of the cards. I think those little details really, really shine. And I'm really Mm. looking forward to at some point us sharing a bit more of the lore side of things um, on our channels and stuff like that too, because I'm sure a lot of people out there wouldn't even think to know there was a bit of backstory with with Bronn and Clem. Rather than them just being two characters, they actually have some sort of, uh, lack of a better word, relationship, Uh, you know, clash of um, personalities maybe there. (laughs) I definitely um, see I it wicked. that Bronze just keeping Clem in check, uh, much like the car, like the people they were designed after. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And of course, you, you would have to be talking about yourself there, Nathan, as you are. Uh, unfortunately, we're quite competitive. Uh, yes. Yeah, you yeah. are the Bron Lawbringer of that as well. I, I have to, I have to mention, I didn't actually make the connection between the Bronn effect on Clem and I went, oh, that's Nathan Seb. Um, and I, I had a little laugh to myself and Seb's like, where, where did this come from? You made this connection so randomly like during the week. And I was like, oh, no, I was just looking at the cards and I just have this newfound, like, uh, I guess, knowledge of all this kind of backstory and little trivia and Easter eggs. It just made that experience yeah. so much more fun. Yeah. I think it's really cool. One, one of my favourite interactions in the game. Bianca. 
Yes. What about yours? What's what's your number one card? Well, when I think of times where I've played a lot with my family and as soon as I see this card in my hand, I'm like, yes. I was like, I've, I've really, I've really got them now and I must ask you all about more about this character is uh, it's Ragstead Iron Pumper. And I believe the effect is that they're immune to being gutted, which is pretty big. Yeah, and the influence on this card's pretty high as well. So I was gonna Mm -hmm. say that's the reason I like it. I'm quite greedy and I love to win. So as soon as I have this character, I am so like I've I've I consider that I've won, but I know that's not the case because. So what's your strategy when when you? When you draw or you have Ragstad in your hand, do you play him straight away? Do you wait? Do you hold, like, wait till the end game? It depends how play confident I'm feeling, if I'm going to be really honest. If I'm feeling really arrogant, maybe I'll, like, I'll leave him, like, right mm-hmm. to the end and then, there's, then then no one can do anything about it. But I think when I yeah. first started playing, I was like, I would want to put him down immediately. But even though that Ragstad's immune to guttering, it doesn't mean he can't be taken it in other ways and then once i kind of once i kind of Mm -hmm. caught on to that i was like well this is a really like high risk high reward kind of play because it's so easily someone else could take Mm -hmm. it from you Mm -hmm. Uh, alex i would really love to hear a little bit more about ragstad and then i do have a question something that i actually picked up in the artwork which i want to i've yeah i want to ask you about something i think i know the detail you're talking about and i was gonna ask if you'd spotted it ragstad iron bumper the strongest of the dwarves, Ragstad is a peerless warrior whose prowess has made him something of a local legend. He does, however, have one eccentricity. The other dwarves have been uh, slow to accept. Ragstad engages in a bizarre daily ritual of lifting heavy things and putting them back down in the exact same spot. The dwarves do their best to humour his madness, but their eyes just glaze over as he talks about how he's going to beat his personal record. Well, I have to ask now. He's got a tattoo on his right arm that says mum on it. That's the one I was That is it, about. yeah. Um, I, I, I do wonder how many people who play Ragstad actually pick that up because it is hidden there amongst yeah. the mess of his other tattoos. Mm. I say a mess. They, they're cool lads. <laughs> we, God, we just re- we really wanted to have that in there um, just to, you know, to show he's got a bit of a softer side. You know, he's, he's a huge giant dwarf warrior with an axe, but uh, he's not all business. Yeah, I think he's really, like, interesting. The whole design of Ragstad, I think, is really cool. I just, yeah, I guess it's always, I've been curious to know how he kind of fits in and there's a bit more to him than maybe I thought there was. It wasn't until I was looking at the card again today, I went, hey, I didn't recognise that part of his tattoo before. It's hard to pick up on on the actual card. There's so many different strategies that you can play um, with Ragstad and as 219s are... head gameplay strategist you know i (laughs) i I tend to just play him whenever i feel like it to be honest you know yeah (laughs) drop him on turn one (laughs) boom (laughs) look i've been known to do that we look i'm so dying to talk about this but we can't share it it, you know at the moment Uh, but in the in the upcoming expansion um the festival of explosions we've got some really cool mechanics that will make um ragstad a little bit more immovable perhaps we should say um there there's some f- some fun things coming up but he is definitely one of those cards that 
as soon as you see it go down on the table, you want to get rid of it. Yeah. Or you want yeah. to claim it. You yeah. want it on your side. He's so yeah. susceptible to being bribed by a chicken. He just straight over to whoever <laughs> has the most chicken and he's in their play area. He's yeah. definitely well, the most claimed card in the game. Nathan, I have to ask as well, what what is you, what do you think is the best strategy in terms of playing a character like Ragstad? I would almost always play it in the last two turns. I'd be either mm-hmm. setting up to use it to trigger the end game or use it in my end game turn uh, just to try and minimise him getting claimed away. That is, of course, if you don't have the keg. If you've got the keg, you're pretty well set up because that stops your play area getting claimed. So that's why they're a bit of an iconic duo, which I think we've put a little post yeah. out before. Yeah. So yeah, they're, um, that's why you hard. always keep chicken in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. But that he loves it. <laughs> or a good brew, you know. He doesn't really differentiate. Yeah. Yeah. It does keep you on your toes as well. If you know that um, he's out there, or rather you don't know where he is. He could be in the deck. He could be in someone's yeah. hand. Yeah. If someone can bring another exactly. 10 points out right at the end of the game. Yeah, they can really change all your plans. That's literally yeah. game changing. Yeah. I think what I really love about the characters as well, because I a really big part of obviously these characters and these cards is the artwork. I think is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, does someone want to tell us a little bit more about the wonderful artist behind these characters and how kind of that process to find the artist that suited your game kind of worked out? When we when we started with Kingless, artwork wasn't necessarily the art style actually wasn't necessarily something that we particularly had in mind. We were designing the characters and we had a very workable version of Kingless long before um, we had any artwork and you know playing with basic cards with text scribbled on it um, for quite a long time. And then when we got round to the stage where we sort of knew the style that we were going to take the characters, we did a lot of workshopping around you know, the law that that Alex has gone through earlier on, which characters play into others, how they they sit themselves in the world. Yeah, we went out looking for a different artist that would sort of not necessarily fit the style we want because we didn't know, but would be able to replicate the ideas that we have in a way that presents the characters really well. We went through lots of different styles and different artists with, you know, each presented um, their own unique take on how these characters could look. And we eventually settled on on Anastas, who um, put together, I think, again, Clem Ponswell, the very first character we did, but this was our sort of test piece to to find the art style. I mean, we had a handful um, that we did originally. Yeah, this was to try and, you know, work out the style that we want to take the whole of Kingless in and, you know, the expansions going forward. That's still being done by Anastas. What I wanted to ask as well does Anastas have a like a portfolio or a, like anywhere she showcases out her artwork at all? Or yeah, you can find her um, if you look for Anastas Ermelina on ArtStation. You see um, some of her work and some of the other projects she's worked on, which really just goes to showcase her, her ta- showcase her talent, wonderful talents there as well. Some pieces from Kingless do appear up on there. Yeah, some really fantastic pieces on there. Yeah, I'd love to link that in the podcast and transcript somewhere or in the description of this video. Uh, just so you guys can see just how wonderful and talented they are. And I have mm. to I have to make mention as well, Seb, behind you, you've got framed actually a few of the artwork pieces from the cards in your office. Yeah, is that I right? can't quite see it, unfortunately. But yes, that is actually our three dwarfs. So that's um, Clem, Egrunt and Bron, and then the Kingless logo just up there. That's brilliant. 
That's so good. <laughs> I the think original three. The the OG three. For exactly. sure. There's no better way to yep. do it, I don't think. What was, I guess, for people who are building their own tabletop game and things like that, like like you guys did when you did Kingless, you said that obviously art wasn't the first thing that came to mind. Was there anything design-wise or something that you learnt in, in the process of finding Anastas that you think might prove to be helpful to any other creators or anything out there or any advice you might have for those um, looking to I, take that game, take the game to that next I'd level. I'd say it'd be important to um, to keep an open mind as well, and, and be willing to work with what your artist um, gives you. Not not in the sense that they're giving you something you didn't ask for, but if if they have um, if they take what you've told them in maybe a slightly different direction, but it really it really just sort of flows forward and on from your idea in a, in a positive way. Um, engage with that and feed into that as well, because. Yeah, the, the creative talent for some of the people you'll meet and work with along the way is is phenomenal. You, you've got to stay flexible in the art style and just to really bring your idea to where it, you know, to its best and fullest form. Um, you've got to keep an open mind. This is so fresh at the moment because in literally a couple of hours before we were recording this podcast, we were um, reviewing and working on some some new sketches for the Festival of Explosions um, that we've that Anastas has just sent through to us. So. We are deep within this process once again right now. And it's just amazing every time, you know, we're, we're working on things and the creativity that, that comes back and forth between us and, and Anastas. And yeah, it's so much fun. There has to be, I can't imagine how it would have felt when you got that first piece of artwork back or seeing that card in its full form for the first time. Like Nathan, do you remember the first time seeing the cards like what what was that like was that a little bit surreal or yeah it was because obviously we we're getting our um, own ones back so it was just great to get those first sketches and like oh it's it's actually it's happening you know <laughs> this is really cool um i know we had a, yeah as we said it was still a lot of to and fro i know uh my card i think probably mine more so had a, a quite a lot of changes from that first yeah sketch. yours changed a lot yeah, yeah. but i mean first sketch was still pretty cool i had a mohawk <laughs> oh awesome that's really pull, cool i could pull it off it, you know I got this. It's fine. It, i mean getting artwork back was amazing because we played so much kingless and we played with so many different people you know as we were testing and building the game just with these you know basic just white sheets of paper or bits of card that we had meticulously cut and punched each corner off to round the corners just to make it a little bit nicer <laughs> when we're playing and um in these early prototype builds, yes, being able to stick artwork on. And I think we did a new print. Every time we got a new bit of artwork, we put like a new print on and just play when we had one little bit of one sketch or mm. one finished image. And as it, it sort of came together every time we played a game, you know, it would sort of evolve a little bit. So we were still tweaking all sorts of things like mechanics and everything as we were injecting this artwork in the very late stages. I was going to say as well, just I'm curious to know what the process was for, uh, I guess, people looking for artists and stuff for their own game. How, how did you come to find Anastas? Was it just through your own research, like tabletop specifically, or just artists in general? But for anyone that might be starting in that process, what was that like? Yeah, look, it's there's so many extremely talented people out there. And like I said, everyone has their own unique style. So it's sort of finding the style that you want to go with. I mean, we use like 
Twitter is a fantastic place to to find artists and people sharing their work, as well as ArtStation and, and similar sites to that. I think we just stumbled across Anastasia. It was just by sort of luck that we managed to to find her and, and make contact and start talking. And she absolutely had done other games before as well. She'd worked on projects of similar scope, I guess. For us, it was just a case of we wanted to secure the artwork and you know make sure that we had all of that right and then we worked with a graphic designer to put it all together properly and go to print and make sure we had everything ready because that's a completely different ball game to mm. just producing um sticking some artwork on a on a page there's there's a lot of layout and things that you need to do to get to that final stage yeah so it's just one big collaborative process across many different streams i think again you don't really think about those things until you're actually doing it yourself and you're like okay this is on this on this kind of scale like this is this is a lot that we need to kind of go through together and you know i think what alex was saying about being open to collaboration and going back and forth and stuff is just so important and i tell you what we did not know the the scope of what was going to be required of us as we were doing it (laughs) things just grew and grew and grew yeah looking back over the whole project of kingless yeah if if we had known that now i don't know whether we would have (laughs) we would have continued on knowing what we'd have to do but well i do want to talk a little bit more we've talked about the characters from the game but i want to talk more about overstone uh alex talk to us a little bit more about Overstone because I know this this the name for the world that Kingless came into is only something that happened somewhat wasn't somewhat recently. I feel like to me it feels like recently, but it wasn't too long ago. Yeah, right? it wasn't tremendously long ago. Time like time shoots past so quickly though. So the game is centered around the Hammer and Crown Inn, but not every character is inside the inn. And each character that appears in the game obviously has their own life and their own things going on. Um, there's Strong, Iron Striker, the Blacksmith. So they all, they live in a village or a town that has a smithy as well as a tavern. Boom, Overstone grows by another building. So Overstone existed as an idea long before we named it. Frankly, as soon as we had the Hammer and Crown, we had Overstone in effect because we filled it with, uh, with characters and people and things. And every one of them really just commanded more and more... Um, space in our minds as to where, where, what would they do all day, what's their job, what's their role. So it really grew a little community around um, the Hammer and Crown, which you can just catch glimpses of in the game. It's a wonderful, and I know I touched on this and how much I adored it as well in our first episode about the fantasy setting it's set in. And I don't, Nathan's talked about Giant Beaver. There's a unicow. Have I missed something here? The unicow appeared as part of the Kickstarter, but hasn't appeared yeah. in the game yet. Oh, okay, yet. okay. Yet. Um, yes. Yeah, that's that's, that's important. Um, <laughs> you've seen, everyone's seen the giant beaver chasing Stumpy, but the, the unicow, it was essentially, it's like a unicorn, but it's a highland cow. So it's, a, you know, <laughs> an adorable little picture of it with a singular horn pointing upwards. And we, we, we wanted to have a sort of a fun, vibrant fantasy setting. So things like that really just, just felt second nature to the setting. Giant animals, different animals, some familiar, yeah. Some won't be. So there's no mm. no limit to what kind of possibilities in terms of creatures and. No, and hopefully okay. we'll be able to share more and more of them with people as we go on. I think Kingless grew out of the Hammer and Crown pretty quickly. 
you know, the, the first few characters we had done, they were inside the Hammer and Crown. And then as we started expanding, you know, we've got the winery, the vineyard, you know, and other things that are happening outside. It's started to expand beyond just being inside the tavern. And that's when Overstone started to populate. And we're going to see a lot more of Overstone and beyond in the future as well with, with other things that we have planned. But yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun building out that the world beyond the, the Hammer and Crown. I think it just seems to grow like quite naturally. And obviously the way in which you've created these characters as well and the relationships like you have like with between one another and the lore and stuff, it's just naturally kind of flowed outside that one kind of interior space that the game's set in. Uh, and again, I know there's things we can't say yet, but there are some awesome things I think we'll learn about Overstone and... It was too hard to keep them inside those four walls. Yeah. Was, there's just too much. There's, there's too many. <laughs> I mean, we didn't actually mention it, but the um, the giant beaver, is he actually has a name. He's called Benedict. Um, oh, really? And, uh, yeah, I mean, he just can't fit inside. And some of those cards, you know, we've we've got the giant sort of like peering in through the through the window and things like that. All characters that we have yet to see more of. To be to be continued. Yes, Stay as ominously tuned as possible. For more of that. <laughs> Haven't already I mentioned the orcs. <laughs> yeah, true. I know that if uh, I would love to know to anyone who is tuning in uh, to the show as well, if you guys have any favorite cards, uh, please share them with us. Tell us why you love that card so much, and maybe we'll even mention them in the next episode. Just yeah, to... and we can talk about some of the lore. Yeah, as well, there's any um, other characters? Cards. Yeah, yeah, there's any other characters you guys want to know a little bit more about? Mm-hmm. Even, I don't know, maybe something about some of the item cards as well. Might be, maybe might have some interesting trivia behind yeah. them. So yeah, yeah, if anyone wants to ask us about any of those characters or share their favorite cards, definitely get in touch with us. Seb, if anyone wants to find out a little bit more about what we have planned, any like kind of sneak peeks, little snippets, maybe some exclusive content is there anywhere else people could find uh, us oh well there certainly is so we're, we're actually in the process of starting a, a patreon um a 219 patreon and this is uh where we'll be sharing a lot more of the behind the scenes um we're going to start sharing some of the um sketches that we've alluded to a little bit earlier on um some of the artwork for a festival of explosions coming later in the year um we'll also have a a pre-show that we recorded before this show actually if you would like to tune in and listen to us talking about chocolate that is a (laughs) sneaky little behind the scenes for you we've got lots more content coming we're going to start sharing as much as we possibly can and being able to provide you with as much behind the scenes early play tests as well is something that we want to get people involved with so patreon members will be able to um play play some rounds of Kingless with with us, with the team, but also be able to jump in on some of the early builds of the Festival of Explosions and, and help us test and refine that before we finally share with the world. They'll be able to quite literally beat us at our own game. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That sounds like a challenge. Yeah. So I, I would say as well, you know, that's a good place to uh, have a bit of a chat with us as well. Get ex- Like, you know, we can don't have to be as secretive about certain things about the expansion. You can come get excited with us as well. So we yeah. will link to that uh, as 
soon as it goes officially live. And uh, if it's not up by this episode, uh, just stay up to date on our social media channels. If you would like to find more about 219 and more about King Lesson, stay up to date. We are essentially, I feel like we've covered almost every social media channel now. We are on Facebook, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube. TikTok? Have I missed any? I have started Discord. yelling facts about Discord. Damn Board dark alleyways. <laughs> no. Oh, alleyways. <laughs> so you know, li- linger <laughs> on the streets of Hobart, and you might, you know, you might hear something. Yes, board game geek. Shark I heard you. I heard you say that, Nathan. So give us a oh, review. Alex loves shark f- shark facts. <laughs> um, shark so, facts. <laughs> sorry, that was really. I'll, I'll cut that out. Little I'll, throw back to the go stream. watch Sea of Thieves. Go yeah, and watch the Sea of Thieves stream from yesterday. Yes, actually, find out about shark facts. Sharks maybe, if you guys, maybe if you guys want to see us uh, get to get up to mischief on uh, uh, not uh, tabletop related topics, maybe I can put together a little video of our Sea of Thieves playthrough yesterday. That was quite fun. Maybe. Anyway, I feel like I've said enough and I've kept you guys long enough as well thank you so much uh for our second episode of the big milkshake podcast series and you can find all our big milkshake updates at thebigmilkshake.co is bye bye ciao